listening to audio from Twin Villages Church in Damariscotta, Maine. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit twinvillageschurch.org. Good morning, everybody. Uh, This morning we are going to be in Ruth chapter 2. And uh, as you're turning there, um, if you're online, we're, we're so uh, thankful that you're with us this morning um, as well. Um, I'll give a little kind of brief recap of, of Ruth chapter 1 um, as we're getting prepared to uh, dig into Ruth chapter 2. Um, if I had to, we could approach this, I guess, like a story. Um, it is a story. And so we can, uh, we can say very comfortably that um, Ruth chapter 1 was act 1 of the story. And what we saw was a family in crisis, but we also saw that it was much bigger than that, that the royal line, the line of David, um, was in crisis as well. And we met this family, uh, the family of Elimelech, um, him, he was the husband, his wife was Naomi, and he had two sons, um, Chilion and uh, Mahlon, and they, there's a famine in Bethlehem, and so they, he packs up his family, and they go to Moab to, uh, because there's food in Moab. But as they're, when they're in Moab, Elimelech dies, and his two sons die. But before they died, they had married uh, Moabite women, um, Naomi, excuse me, Orpah and Ruth. But Naomi finds herself now in a foreign country, in a foreign land, uh, with no husband, with no sons. Um, It's just her and her two daughters-in-law. And so from her perspective, life is not good because she has no husband to care for her. She has no sons to care for her and protect her as well. But a much bigger picture is that the line of Elimelech appears to be done with. And Elimelech was... An Ephrathite, and David, King David, comes from that same uh, clan, and so the line of David seems to be in jeopardy as well. Though Naomi hears, by God's grace, that there is food in Bethlehem. Again, God has been gracious to His people, and so she takes her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, and they begin the journey from Moab back to Bethlehem. Along the way, um, Naomi pleads with her daughters-in-law to to leave her and to go back to what they know, go back to their people and their family. Finally, Orpah, Naomi's successful in convincing Orpah to do that. And again, Orpah's not painted in a bad light at all in that case. She's going back to her family and to what she knows. But Ruth pledges to stay with Naomi. Ruth pledges to cling to Naomi. And Naomi tries to convince Ruth otherwise, but Ruth is pretty stubborn in that area. And she says, no, I'm going to stay with you. And she actually makes this pledge, and she uses the Yahweh, the God of the Bible, as a witness to that pledge. And so they arrive in Bethlehem, and the town is in an uproar because Naomi is back, and they didn't, she had been gone for about 10 years or so, and she's finally back, and they're surprised that it's actually her, and she's back uh, in Bethlehem. And she says, and Naomi says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because, I, because God has dealt bitterly with me. And she goes on to blame God for the crisis that she finds herself in without a husband, without sons, on her own, without protection or provision. And the story ends, or that, that first act ends um, very kind of abruptly, Um, But they are in Bethlehem, Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, the Moabites, 
And they came to Bethlehem during the beginning of the barley harvest. And then we enter now into Act chapter 2, if you will. And we will call this a glimmer of hope because things start to change and there's some light that is going to be getting to dawn um, in Naomi's eyes and in her family. But more importantly, again, the line of David, the line of Elimelech, potentially being restored. So let me read Ruth chapter 2 for us and then we'll spend a few minutes in God's Word this morning. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And Naomi said to her, go my daughter. So Ruth set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, saying, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to, his, said to the young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she's continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women." Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your, bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed her the roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean among the sheaths, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some of the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening, and she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an aphath of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, she also brought out what she gave and gave her what food she had left after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. 
And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to, to gather here to worship. Lord, I thank you for the songs that have been sung, the prayers that have been prayed. Lord, now I just pray for this time now in your words. Lord, we can have so much confidence in your word because your word is truth, and you're going to sanctify us with your words. Lord, we can have so much confidence in your word because you have set it out to do exactly what you want it to do. It is trustworthy. It is infallible. Lord, so I pray this morning that we would hear from you. Lord, that we would hear clearly from your words. Lord, and we know that it's not enough just to hear your word. We need to respond and we need to react to it. We're not to just be hearers, but we're to be doers as well. So I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be changed. Lord, that we would be um, convicted or challenged and encouraged this morning. Lord, that we would know you better because of our time here. All for your glory. And I pray this in your name. Amen. So we meet another person in this fascinating story. We, we meet Boaz, right? And Boaz, as we know, is a relative of Naomi's husband. He was a worthy man. He was from the clan of Elimelech. Now, we need to remember here that Ruth doesn't know any of this, right? Ruth has none of this information, all right? The fact that Boaz is a worthy man speaks to his character, other translations may say he was a prominent man or a mighty man, right? But Boaz was a man who had integrity, and he was from the clan of Elimelech. Now, this is important because the social structure in that day, clans were very, very important. And redeemers, as we know, Naomi's told us now that Boaz was a redeemer, Redeemers functioned within that clan structure in that time. So we know this man now. We have, we've met Elimelech, right? We've met Naomi. We've met Malon and Kilion. We've met Ruth and Orpah. And now we meet, we meet Boaz. But not surprisingly, right, Ruth takes the initiative here to provide for her mother-in-law She's very good at practicing, we talked about this last week, this hesed, this loyalty and faithfulness to her mother-in-law. She's clinging to her mother-in-law where she lives, she's, where she's lived, she's going to live. And so she asks her mother-in-law if she can go and glean among the ears of grain in a, in a field in whom sight she may find favor. And the Mosaic Law had a provision in place where widows or sojourners or orphans could glean from the fields. There's in, in Deuteronomy chapter 24, as these farmers would, would, be, would be harvesting, they were to leave grain around the edges of the field. And so if a sojourner or a widow or an orphan passed by, they could take the gleanings and provide for themselves. 
Well, Ruth more than qualified because she is a sojourner and she is a widow, and so she would qualify to be able to come in and to glean from these fields. And she's asking her mother-in-law, hey, can I do this? Can I help provide for us in this way? But there was no guarantee, right, that an Israelite would adhere to that provision in the law, especially, right, to a Moabite, so she's asking, like she's saying, perhaps I will find favor. Maybe there will be somebody who will, who will give me per permission and who will allow me, a Moabite woman, to, to glean in their field. She's looking for mercy. She's looking for grace from somebody so that she can provide for her mother-in-law. At the end of verse 3, we read this phrase, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Limelech. It's written in such a way that it seems like a, a chance meeting, right? Hey, I just happened to, like, you, we can, you go to the store, hey, I just happened to bump into so-and-so. You'll never guess who I saw at Walmart or Hannaford or wherever, that same kind of thing. This is a champion, but we know, right, that God is sovereign, and it's no chance, it wasn't by luck, that Ruth ends up in a field that belongs to Boaz. But Ruth doesn't know Boaz. I mean, maybe she's heard the name, but she doesn't know who Boaz is. So God is working behind the scenes. God is in charge, even though He may not seem, it may not be right in front of our faces and in her face, but God is doing things in the background continually. God is sovereign, and it was no chance meeting. And so we see a fascinating inter, uh, interaction here with Boaz and his, and his workers and with Boaz and Ruth, and it takes up the largest chunk of the chapter. It's verses 4 through verses 16, and it opens with Boaz having a conversation with his employees, but more specifically with the supervisor or the foreman of the crew. Right, and Boaz comes to Bethlehem, and he says to the reapers, the Lord be with you, and they answered, the Lord bless you. And then Boaz says to this young man who is in charge, who, who's this woman that is, that is gleaning in my fields? And the young man answers and says, hey, she's, she's that Moabite woman who came back with Naomi uh, from the country of, of Moab, and she, she asked if she could glean in the fields. And she, she, I mean, she's super committed. She's been here working all morning. She took a brief little break, but she's just, you know, like she's getting busy. So Boaz arrives, right? This worthy man arrives to this field, right? And so Ruth just happens to end up in the field, one of Boaz's fields, right? And Boaz just happens to arrive at that field where she's working, right? God is clearly working behind the scenes and orchestrating these interactions and these encounters with Boaz and with Ruth. And this, this man, he's a redeemer. He comes from Bethlehem, and he greets his crew with, the Lord be with you, and they answer, the Lord bless you. So, again, Boaz is a man, is a worthy man. He's, he's full of integrity. And listen to how he greets his crew, right? 
the Lord be with you, right? What is his reputation, right? What, what, is he, what standard is he setting for those who work for him? How is he training his employees to, to think, right? The Lord be with you. And, and they know how to respond, like the Lord bless you. Right? So there was a tight-knit group of, of, of boss and employee here who, who he's saying, hey, this is God, and, and God is involved in this, and, and the Lord be with you, and the Lord bless you. And so there's this just understanding what a work environment that that was. And it is such a joy and a privilege to, to work in environments like that. But and there are still employers to this day who, who have that same type of attitude when it comes to, to their employees, and they're investing in their employees, not just with the work piece, but the spiritual piece as well. And so when he asks about this young woman and the supervisor responds, we read that the, this, this man, right, he did his research, right? He vetted Ruth. And he obviously gave her permission to glean in the field. And so this supervisor showed an amazing amount of respect to Boaz. Right? That he was going to make sure that he could give an account for who's in the field and who's working in the field and who's gleaning in the fields. And Ruth is a very humble woman and she asked permission and she's a very, very hard worker. And then we read now about Boaz and his interaction with Ruth, his first interaction, he says, now listen, my daughter, right? do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. There's no need, and he's meeting her for the first time, there's no need for you to go anywhere else. Right? You can get whatever you need from my field. Keep close. It's the same word when it says that Ruth clung to Naomi. It's the same word. Keep close to my female workers. And now here's something fascinating about this. Because now remember, Ruth is asked to glean in the fields. Right? Here's the role of the women who had been working for Boaz. The women are going to come up behind the men. The men are actually cutting down the, the barley, the grain, and the women come behind, and they bail that together. So, Boaz is telling Ruth, right, you're not going to glean. You're going to work with my women who are bundling up the grain in sheaths. Stay with them, stay close to them, and work with them. It's not gleaning. It's working in the fields. Ruth is going to get a lot more grain working with the women than she would gleaning around the edges of the fields. He's promised her protection, that the young men are not going to harass her and are not going to bother her. So it, you don't have to go anywhere else. You work with my women and you're safe here. And if you happen to, to get thirsty, um, just, just go to and drink the water that the men have drawn and, and get refreshments. Which is culturally backwards, right? Because foreigners would draw the water for the Israelite people, right? And, and the women would draw the water for the men. But Boaz is saying, don't worry about any of that. You just, if you're thirsty, go there and get yourself a 
drink. So Boaz is going above and beyond what the Mosaic law would require him to do to provide for Ruth and to provide for Naomi. As Ruth has showed Hesed, this this love to her mother-in-law, right? Boaz is showing Hesed or this faithful love to Ruth and to Naomi, and Ruth is a, a Moabite woman. And Ruth doesn't know what to, to say, and so she just falls on the ground. Um, it's, it's humility and it's reverence to Boaz. And she asks, why have I found favor in your eyes? That you should take notice of me, a foreigner. And she doesn't understand. She's overwhelmed by the generosity of Boaz. Now, she's asked for this, right, back in verse 2, that she may find favor, but this, the, her favor does not even, uh, isn't on par with the favor that Boaz is showing her. This is, Boaz is going above and beyond. She can't handle and understand this degree of kindness that Boaz is showing her, especially since she's, she's really done nothing in her eyes and her mindset, and, she, and she's, a, she's a Moabite, and Israelites and Moabites, they don't get along. But then we get a glimpse into to why Boaz responds the way he does. And he, t- he tells her that all you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before i.e., your reputation as a faithful person precedes you. I've heard what you have done. I have heard how you've responded to in, uh, with extraordinary kindness and loyalty to Naomi. You're clinging to her. You left your own people back in Moab. You preferred an unknown culture, an unknown people, You left it, that's the opposite of clinging to, you left that to cling to Naomi. You put aside the security of the familiar to commit yourself to the unknown. You've been so faithful and loyal to Naomi, to your mother-in-law. But if we we read between the lines, we know that Boaz and Naomi are, are, are relatives, right? And so, the, the kindness and the loyalty that Ruth has shown to Naomi is by extension being shown to Boaz because they're family. And so, Boaz asks, the, asks God to, 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 to repay her for what she's done, to give a full rewards, So Boaz is recognizing just that the faithfulness of this Moabite woman to her mother-in-law and to the clan of Elimelech is above and beyond. And may God repay you for what you have done. May He give you a full reward for what you have done. May He bless you for what you have done. And he closes by saying, right, that it was the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. 
Ruth did not take refuge in a husband or finding a husband. Ruth had taken refuge in showing kindness and faithfulness and love to her mother-in-law, to Naomi, a woman who just in chapter 1 or act 1, right, wasn't really kind and loving to her daughter-in-law, right? She came back empty and Ruth's standing right there, like, hello, I'm here. No, I'm empty. Call me more. I'm bitter. But she's faithful. So Boaz recognizes this faithfulness. Naomi, excuse me, Ruth had committed herself to, to the God of the Israelite people. Your God will be my God's. And she's being faithful in that commitment to her mother-in-law and to God's. And Ruth is, is humbled by this. She's, she's, she's thankful to Boaz, and she says that you, you have comforted me. You have provided me just, you've relieved some tension in my life and some stress in my life because now I can provide for my mother-in-law and we, we will have food on the table. You've spoken kindly to me. That's literally speaking to the heart. So Boaz is, just, is very compassionate and kind and being gracious towards Naomi, or excuse me, to Ruth. So she's amazed by his kindness and his grace and his mercy and his generosity. He's treating her like one of his servants, but she's not one of his servants. She's a Moabite. So Boaz is showing commitment and loyalty to, to Ruth and by extension to Naomi and to his clan, the clan of Elimelech. And it goes on. Lunchtime rolls around. And Boaz invites Ruth to, to sit and eat with him and, and, and the workers, right? She's, she's a Moabite, but she's being invited to sit at, at, and eat with them. Even just the fact that Boaz is going to eat with his employees says a whole lot. He's not distancing himself. He's one of them, and he has a relationship with his employees. And she enjoys a meal. She's not eating the gleanings of the table. He serves her the foods, and she eats her fill, and there's leftovers. And so she, she's going to bring those leftovers home to her mother-in-law. So it just shows the, the generosity of, of Boaz. And it's not simply about feeding the hungry. It's Boaz just committing himself to Ruth and to Naomi. It's a meal that is full of compassion and generosity and acceptance and it's, it's such a biblical picture of God's faithfulness to His people and how He's been compassionate and generous and has accepted us because of Christ. And then Naomi gets up after the meal and she's going back. I mean, she, she's a worker, right? She's going back out to the fields to continue the work, to, to, to glean. And Boaz tells his young men, listen, uh, let her glean among the sheaths. Right? She's going to continue working with the women here. So as you cut this down, she's going to bail it up. Don't you dare rebuke her for this. I'm telling you, she can do this. Let her do this work. In fact, right, he takes it a step further and also pull out some from some of the bundles and, let, and leave it for her to glean. Don't rebuke her. Right? Let her do this work that she needs to do. Let her pick up the stalks that you're going to intentionally leave behind for her to pick up, to provide 
food for her. Don't you embarrass her. Don't you humiliate her. Don't you look at her sideways. You do your work and allow her to do this. So it's a picture of physical protection. There's emotional protection. He's providing for Ruth and for Naomi. It's safe to say that Naomi, that Ruth found favor that day in Boaz. And so she gets done gleaning in the field that evening. She goes and she, she beats out the grain. And it was about an ephah, the text tells us, of barley. There's some debate here, but we know that it was at least 30 pounds of barley. Some people think it could have been closer to 50. Um, it made me think about going to RZRs and getting a, a bag of chicken feed for our chickens, and it's a 50-pound bag, right? And it's kind of clunky and hard to carry around, right, to get it from the car into the side porch of our house. But this woman's working in the field all day, beats out the grain, and then it's going to pick up at least 30, maybe 50 pounds of barley and carry it back to her house. She's a hard worker. She cares deeply for her mother-in-law, but man, does it not show the generosity of Boaz. And so as Ruth arrives home to her mother-in-law, she, right, sets the bag of grain down and says, oh, oh and by the way, here's, here's the leftovers from lunch. Naomi is justifiably blown away, right? What is she supposed to think about this? And she wants to know where Ruth works, right? Where did you glean today, and where have you worked, right? Bless the man who, who took notice of you. You, you, you asked for favor, and, and this man showed you favor, and so she told her mother-in-law with whom she worked. She didn't say where she worked, Right? She said, this is, this is who I worked with. I worked with this man, Boaz. And Naomi hears this, and, and she extends this blessing even further and says, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead's. May God bless Boaz. He, he, he's being faithful to his family. He's being faithful to the clan of Elimelech. He is showing kindness. That's that word hesed again. He's being so loyal and faithful and loving and compassionate and generous towards his own people. May God bless him for this. He hasn't abandoned Ruth, he hasn't abandoned Naomi, he hasn't abandoned Elimelech, Malon, Kilion. Right? For the first time in Naomi's world, there's this glimmer of hope because of this man, Boaz. Because up until this point, Naomi's concern has been whether or not God was going to actually act in behalf of the family. Right? She's blamed God for all of this. Right? Is God really going to be gracious? He's dealt really harshly with me. He's taken my husband. He's taken my sons. I'm bitter. I went away full. I come back empty. 
Right? She, hasn't, she didn't believe that God was going to act on her behalf. She was alone. She was by herself. She is bitter. But then this man, Boaz, responds this way. And she continues and she tells Ruth that this man is a close relative of ours. He, he's, he's one of our redeemers. Now, don't miss, there's a, there's a clue, right, in that sentence, in that verse. It's a three-letter word. It's used twice, our, right? He's a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers, Something's happened in Naomi's minds. And it's also a hint of things to, to come in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4 of Ruth. But this Redeemer, this, this role of Redeemer was profoundly significant because a Redeemer, if you, as someone within your clan, right, had a responsibility to make sure that they kept track and kept hold of the interests of this clan and of the families within the clan. So if you found yourself, if there was a relative in your clan that was in a situation, in a bind, as a Redeemer, you were supposed to go in and you were supposed to act on behalf of that person, especially if they couldn't get out of this crisis. Naomi's in a crisis. She's got no husband. She has no sons. She's by herself. She has no protection, no way to provide for herself, and there's really nothing she can do to get out of it, but, but Ruth takes the initiative, but Boaz, being Redeemer, had to act or should have acted, and he did act. And this provision of a Redeemer is all based upon the sanctity of the family or the sanctity of the clan. And, and, and back in that day, the family was the building block of society. It's the same thing today. The family unit is the building block of society. And so when families start getting stressed and broken apart and strained, right, society suffers. It's the same thing back then as it is to this day. And so the Redeemer was to help maintain the, the, the family and protect the family interests and to ensure that the family was safe and the family was goods. Specifically, if there was, they had to make sure that no land ever passed out of the family. Right? Land was, it's an agricultural society. Land was very, very valuable, very, very important. And so a redeemer is going to make sure that that property stayed within the family. So if someone was trying to sell off property because they were in a bind, the redeemer would come in and would buy that property to make sure it stayed in the family and they would, by extension, be providing for their, their clan member, their family member. If a family member found themselves in hard times and they sold themselves into slavery, the Redeemer was going to buy them out of that slavery. They were going to make sure that justice was served if there was a lawsuit involving a relative. And it was very family-driven. And so by Naomi saying, he is one of our relatives, one of our redeemers, she's saying, man, wow, there's like this little flicker of hope. There's this glimmer of hope for us. And so God's working behind the scenes because Ruth just happens to go to the field that Boaz owns and Boaz just happens to show up when Ruth is there. God's working 
in, in so many different ways to not just save this family and to provide for Elimelech's family and the clan of Elimelech, but to keep the line of David alive and well. And so Ruth works, right? Naomi tells her that it's good, right, that she's with these young women, unless she, she could be assaulted. So it shows us that Naomi was concerned about the safety of Ruth going out and gleaning and doing this, but she's, she's comfortable because Boaz is, is not just providing, he, he's protecting her. And so Ruth kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and the wheat harvest. And while she did this, she lived with her, her mother-in-law. So what that means is that for the next six to seven weeks, Ruth was going out and working in these fields, and Boaz was providing for Ruth and Naomi. And the act closes. Good stories build tension. Right now, I guess you can read ahead, right? But what I want us to see here, right, is just how many ways that God is working and moving in this situation, and, and Ruth and Naomi and Boaz are, are, are oblivious to it probably at this point. Right, they'll be able to look back and see like, wow. But right in that moment, God's being faithful. And so when we find ourselves in times of struggle, in times of crisis, right, a lot of times we, we, we can look and, and we can be a Naomi and we can say, oh, what's going on? But this tells us, and this should encourage us, that you want to know what? God is faithful. God is sovereign. God is in control. And He's doing so many things behind the scenes to fulfill His purposes and to care for His children. Praise God for His faithfulness. But I also want us to see how God used Boaz to bring a glimmer of hope to, to Naomi and to, to Ruth. Boaz is a picture uh, of Christ. Remember, Boaz came from Bethlehem. He was a redeemer. Jesus is the ultimate redeemer who came from Bethlehem. Christ is our ultimate hope. Christ is our ultimate Redeemer. He has provided for us. He has reconciled us back to God. He came to this earth. He was born in Bethlehem, the small little town of Bethlehem. He grew up and he lived a perfect, sinless life. And he laid down that life for my sin, for your sin. He redeemed us. He took the wrath of God for that sin upon Himself, and He died. But He was raised three days later, showing that God had accepted His sacrifice, the final, once and for all. So there's nothing else that we can possibly do to redeem ourselves. Christ has done it, and our inheritance is secure. But Boaz is a picture of what Christ has done for us. I also want us to think a little bit now 
about Naomi. And when I say that, I'm going to use Naomi as an example. We have four questions. Um, they're in your, in your worship guides. Who is God's? What has God done? Who am I? And what do I do? Now, those are actually the final four questions for a process that we need to walk ourselves through. And we, I don't know how many weeks they've been in there. Hopefully, you're familiar with them. But what happens um, when we find ourselves, right, in a crisis, right, we, we don't typically start with who is God, what has God done, who am I, how do I, what do I do, or how do I live, This is what we do. We go backwards, right? We focus on ourselves, right? What do I do? Then it's who am I? What has God done? Who is God's? So let's let's look at what we know about, because we're doing this now because Naomi starts to make a turn, right? But think about chapter one of Ruth, right? What do I do? All right, or, or how do I live? So, how does Naomi live? What does Naomi do? Right, she blames God. She's bitter. Right, she's resentful towards God. Right? Who, who am I? Who, who did Naomi say she was? Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Call me bitter. Right. What, what, what has God done? Well, he's, <laughs> he's dealt the mighty, he's, his, his hands against me. He's taken my husband. He's taken my sons. I've got no protection, no safety. So who is God's? God, I, he's not, really not faithful. Is God really loving if he's, he's allowing me to, to experience all of this that I'm experiencing? Just call me bitter. I went away full. I came back empty. He's testified against me. He's brought calamity upon me. Who is God? He is not faithful. He is not loving. He's actually out to to get me. And that's what we that's what we that's what we do. Well, that's what I do. Right, so we, we, we work that way, but then here's where we see the shift, right? And, and here's the shift in Naomi's thinking, right? We see it in verse 2, right? Who, 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 is, who is God's? Who is God? May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the deads, this man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Wait a minute. You, you, just, you just happened to go to the field that Boaz owns. You just happen, he just happened to be there when, when you were there. Maybe God is faithful. God bless Boaz because for, he's been kind to both the living and to, to the dead. He, he's, he's one of our redeemers. And so you see this, this glimmer of hope. And so we start to see this shift in Naomi's thinking. It, it's, you know, I'm bitter, right? I'm bitter. 
God has done this to me. He's not faithful. Wait a minute. He, he is faithful. He's provided a redeemer. And we'll see her start to piece together these other things. What has God done? Right? Who am I? And how do I? We'll see these other three start to play out in these next couple chapters. But I want us to see that progression. And I want us to see that we do that exact same thing. I do that exact same thing. In the midst of a crisis, in the midst of a trial, I do the exact same thing. Right? It's sin. Who am I? What has God done? Nothing. Who is God? He's not faithful. He's not loving. Whatever you want to put in there. Whatever may fit the situation. But we have, we can't end there. We have to make that term be like, no, what do we know about God to be true? And then work back the other way. So I hope that that makes sense um, to you. But this is one of these things I wanted to make sure that we, we, we see this. And this is a way that we have to take the gospel and speak the gospel into our hearts each and every day. That's why we need the gospel every day. That's why we don't graduate from the gospel, because we have to get back to who God is and what He has done. Right? And ultimately, He has sent His Son to this earth to pay our sin debt and to redeem us back to Himself, and our inheritance is secured. So that needs to change the way that we think and the way that we live. So we need to preach the gospel each and every day to our lives because Christ is our Redeemer. He has brought us back from death. He's brought us to life. We're no longer in darkness. We live in light because of God's grace through the gospel and through His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank You for this morning. Lord, I thank You again for Your words. Lord, I'm so thankful for your faithfulness. Lord, I'm so thankful that, that, that you do so many things in our lives each and every day. Things that we don't even know, things that we don't even recognize and we don't even see. Lord, you are so faithful. Lord, it's my prayer Lord, that we would be a people that would, that would think, Lord, that we would see that goodness and faithfulness, Lord, that we would begin to pay attention and notice the many ways that you are gracious to us, the many ways that you bless us. Lord, give us eyes to, to see it. Lord, but then it's my prayer that you would give us a heart to, to thank you for it and to praise you for it as well. Lord, you are a gracious and a loving God, and we thank you for your faithfulness. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Twin Villages Church in Damascata, Maine. Feel free to share this message with others, and for more information about Twin Villages Church, visit twinvillageschurch.org. Soli Deo Gloria.